Can you imagine being a devoted witness of dreams for almost 50 years? There are a few people who could say, yes, that's me, but not many. Azima Leela Forrest began working with dreams in the 1970s when she met Jeremy Taylor. Since then, she has studied with Robert Moss and become a teacher, sheikh, of universal Sufism and a Unitarian Universalist minister. She currently lives in Silver City, New Mexico, and runs month-long dream groups online. In our free-flowing conversation, you'll hear us follow our curiosity and our shared enchantment with dreams to talk about how she sees what she calls the current world emergency showing up in dreams, some repeated symbols we've seen recently, like a river and snow in the tropics, how Azima has seen the earth showing up more and more in dreams over the past few decades, and the irreplaceable value of working dreams in groups, because our companions see what we cannot. At the end, we compile a little verbal collage of all the animals we've heard of recently in dreams. I invite you to listen in and imagine all these creatures with us and see what they might stir in you. One more thing before we start, make sure to come visit thedreamersden.org and sign up for email updates or follow me on Instagram or join the Dreamers Den free Facebook group so you'll hear about the events coming up in July and August. I'll be hosting an online dream art party where we'll get together and let our dreams spark our creativity and share some time for art, writing, music, or whatever creative form you like to play with. I'm also going to be offering some deep dives on turning to our dreams for healing chronic illness in four-week small group sessions. If you're interested, come to thedreamersden.org and make sure you and I are keeping in touch by email or on Instagram or Facebook. You're listening to the Dreamers Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. Welcome, Azima. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I would love to hear a little more introduction about your work and your experiences. Maybe you could tell us how your work with dreams began and how you realized that dreams mattered to you. Yes. Um, so in the early 70s, I was a student at the Star King School for the Ministry, which is a Unitarian Universalist seminary. And Jeremy Taylor was teaching there, and I took his class, which was called The Meaning in Dreams and Dreaming. I took it my very first semester, and I loved it so much that I took it every single semester of the three years that I was there. And Jeremy strongly encouraged me to continue with dream work, and I have done that. So uh, that's been so ever since. And I think um, what what 
grabbed me about it at that time was that um, I was going through a lot of personal growth and healing, and my dreams were a very central part of that. Uh, I began to understand things about my early childhood and how that had shaped me and patterns that no longer served me. And my dreams were just like this great ally helping me to see these things and to heal these things. So that's how I first uh, was, um, became an evangelist for dream work, I guess you might say. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I think the personal insight from another angle than we can get with our waking minds about the, the current events and the past events. Yes. And now I know you facilitate some dream groups and you mentioned, you mentioned to me when we were talking earlier, you're seeing within those groups, people's dreams really reflecting not only what's going on on the inside in their personal lives, but what's happening for us collectively right now to humanity on the whole. Would you like to share something about that? Well, it seems to me that almost every dream that we work with, and I have like four different dream groups going uh, for the most part right now. I'm at the end of the June groups and before the July groups, but usually there are four groups. And um, with almost every dream that we work on, I see very clearly that there's content in the dream that's very personal to the dreamer. And that there's also another layer. You can look at the whole narrative or images or symbols in the dream and see our collective emergency. I'm calling this our present world emergency because it's both an emergency in the sense of how urgent it is, but it's also an emerging of something new, I believe. Yeah. And so um, I call it that. Uh Um, And so I see these dreams have, have, both levels of actually you might say three levels one is um, particular things to do with the person's own life and what they're dealing with right now a second layer is how they're being affected by this coronavirus this world emergency and then the third one being more general about what's happening on the planet for all of us Uh uh-huh so it's very interesting and then I'm also seeing something on the increase that I, I, I don't remember ever seeing it before. And part of that is probably that I'm doing more groups than I used to, um, is that theme, uh, like a, a dreamer in one group will have a dream and here's probably the most common symbol that's flowing through everybody's dreams, literally, is a river. Uh-huh. I have seen so many river dreams this month and last month. And in every case, the river seems to be um, the flowing of what's happening for us all and how the dreamer can relate to it. Does the dreamer stand and watch the river flowing by or um, gradually wade into the water or jump into the water? (laughs) Um, Many different things that way. But, But rivers have been in many, many of the dreams and not just in the same group, but across groups. So people that don't know each other and haven't heard the other dreams. So it's very interesting. That is very interesting. I, I just heard a river dream from someone this morning, actually. So there you it's go. Very interesting. And, you know, there was another recurring image, of course, as it is with dreams, the context is very different, the quality very different, but a recurring yeah. thing that I've seen in one of my groups is 
holes in the ground or holes in the walls. And, ah. and then some, some question or some engagement of what is inside that hole or what's coming out of that hole, mm-hmm. which the word emergence, I think is really, yeah. really fits that. Yeah. Yes, it does. That's wonderful. Uh, here's, here's an example of a, of a, a recurring uh, theme. This was only two dreams, but people in different groups, but it's so unique that it really struck me. And in both dreams, the dreamer went to the tropics and there was snow there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's really, you would think that would be just an absolutely unique symbol in somebody's dream, but, there, but lo and behold, there were two of them in the same week. Wow. Yeah. Well, I love that too, because it's, it's truly about the globe. I mean, it's literally about a location on the planet and you know what what kind of weather what's happening with the clouds and yeah what a what a global shared image yes and and um for me with all these years of dream group um dream groups and dream work including my own dreams uh snow and frozen water have come to to represent for me frozen feelings or feelings that are not being accessed but in both of these dreams, that didn't seem to fit at all. But what did seem to fit was the kind of freezing of certain levels of human life because of the coronavirus. Ah. The fact that we can't hug, we can't, we can't travel freely. <laughs> and the fact that one would travel to the tropics and it would be snowing even there <laughs> yeah. seemed like a kind of indicative of what we're into here. Sure. And, and in the place that we expect to be the most warm and the most stable temperature wise, yes. you know, how, how those parts of our lives are frozen right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great image. Do you, do you have any, any others? I don't know, maybe one of yours or someone else's that you can share um, anonymously, but any other dream images or insights people have had that tie to the emergency well, here's a couple. One from a, a, a dream that was shared in a group last night, and then the next one being the dream I woke up with this morning. It isn't exactly a shared theme, but it's so connected that it just made me laugh. So in the dreamer's dream last night, she's moving between our present world and a new world. And um, I won't go into all the details of it, but she's, she seems to be some kind of a scout <clears throat> and her work is to move between these two worlds. Um, and the, the new world seems to be like almost a blank slate. There's not much feature to it. It's as though we humans have to create the new world. So that was her dream. And I wake up this morning with the dream of being aware that I have my, my iPhone and being aware that we're all all meaning the whole human family is um, to vote on whether the world would end. Huh. And in the dream, um, I, oh, and then if, if enough people vote no, that it won't end. And for me, when I woke up, there was this sense of, well, what world are we talking about? Because if we're talking about the old dysfunctional world that we humans have co-created, it's got to go, and I would vote yes. Uh-huh. But if we're talking about perhaps 
you know, the end of human life on the earth, then I definitely would vote no. So it was, um, I could feel the connection between the woman's dream from last night, um, but it was cast in a slightly different way. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That reminds me of talking about death and endings in dreams in general and the kind of exploration that we often do when, when there's death in a dream and the question of what is it time to let go of? What is it time to see die versus what do we want to save and not allow it to die? What do we want to rescue? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Jeremy often would say, particularly when somebody had a dream where there was a death or fear of death, he would say, Death and rumors of death is always good news in a dream. Uh huh. <laughs> and what he meant by that is almost always when we dream of death, it's talking about some aspect of ourself. And if someone actually dies, it's like, hallelujah, that part of me that I didn't need to be or access anymore is gone. And if it's um, a, a, a threat of death, then that points at something that needs to go uh-huh that hasn't gone yet and so that's always been my guide in 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 working with people because so often when people dream of death it really scares them yeah whether it's their own death or they think it's if there's a person they know in the dream that's that's died or is dying they're going am i is this precognitive is this person going to die and i would say probably not because usually if you're going to be actually dreaming about death, it would take some other forms. Dreams are so symbolic to fit our emotional makeup, I guess I would say. So, for example, dreams about bodily processes are always never about the body. You know, the images are not the body itself, but rather uh, oftentimes uh, mechanical things that, that mimic, you know, that, that are, are images of. So, for example... If it's, um, if it's the digestive system, it might be like uh, plumbing <laughs> or something like that. It, it, yeah. Dreams always give us a, a kind of a symbol to work with. Uh -huh. um, so, so death is, is that way. And if, if a person dreams of the death of someone they know, and it usually is not someone they're close to, but it's someone they know. So then I would say, well, tell me about that person. Tell me about the qualities, the personality of that person. How do they relate to the world? Mm -hmm. And then they describe it. And then I would say, well, if it were my dream, I'm, I might be looking at whether there's some aspect of my personality that is like that. And is that something that is going away from me now? Is that fading out of my life or suddenly going away? Sometimes it's sudden if we have some event in our life that causes us to wake up in a certain way. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm thinking about you having probably this immense collection or collage of dreams in your memory from working dreams now for some 50 years and meeting Jeremy in the seventies. And I'm wondering if, you know, we're talking about some of these recurring themes that probably have repeated over the decades. But I'm wondering if in general, if you zoom out, if there's anything you've noticed over time 
situating ourselves in the collective, whatever, whatever the climate is collectively, you know, talking about this current emergency, and there've been other intense phases in the human experience, the, the community one, the global one, in these last 50 years. Have you, have you noticed changes and shifts? I have, and, and I would say that um, this one, I, I actually probably can't locate this in time as to when it began because it's it's been slow to develop, but so many times there's an overlay on a person's dreams that has to do with the earth, what's going on with the earth. You know, we could call it climate change, we can call it environmental degradation or we can talk about the, re the the person the dreamers own relationship to the earth because it seems like there are so many people over the last 10 to 20 years maybe who are really beginning to wake up with what a deep connection they have with the planet that they weren't really aware of before that yeah and dreams are very often the carrier of that message mm -hmm. so, yeah, so I feel like the Earth reality is a theme that has been developing over the last couple of decades in particular. And do you see that taking literal form with land and trees and waters or also symbolic other, other images that stand in for kind of our environment and our ecology? Very often that, um, or animal dreams, um, people starting to connect with, with what I would call power animals. Um, which is a way of connecting with earth energy as well, but a specific aspect of it. But also um, the elements. There will be a dream where it's very clear this, there's a very strong element of water in it, or water. <laughs> and water is often it in dreams, even aside from rivers. Uh, for me, uh, water is often the emotional life and or the spiritual life of a person. Uh -huh. so how they're relating to water in the dream is very telling about that. Yeah. Um, but it could be an airy dream, a dream, you know, where there's a wind and, and or several a little little um, uh, scenes within the acts of the dream where air is predominant or fire. There's another one, you know, is this a fiery dream? Mm -hmm. Because all of those elements, the earth has all, the earth, planet earth, let's say, has all those elements. You know, yeah. its core is fiery. The, the, the soil is earthy. This is, uh, as <laughs> I heard um, um, Rick Levine, you know, wonderful astrologer, saying that if we were to rename the earth by its actual components, we'd call it water, not earth, because it's like uh, two-thirds water. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's definitely a water element here. And then there's the atmosphere that surrounds the earth, which is air. So we have all the elements that are part of our planet. Hmm. I find the elemental aspect of dreaming to be very important because some people, I mean, most of us actually are pretty strong with one or two of the elements. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the dreams will often show that. I, of course, love looking at the elements in dreams, too, because they're such primary symbols that we can extend infinitely in, within the language of Chinese medicine, which is how I'm often the lens yeah. I'm looking through. So yeah. because we are we are made up of those same properties as the planet we arise from and return to, we're made up of all those same elements, literally, and also 
all those same movements, those same phases of existence. You know, sometimes yes. we talk about them in, in Chinese medicine thinking. I'll share that with that snow in the tropics image, that water, I, I do feel sometimes how water is connected to the uh, unconscious or emotional life in general. Mm -hmm. But I also strongly link it with fear specifically because of the Chinese medicine association between the water element and the emotions of fear and awe and, and the kidneys. Yeah. And the kidneys, that's right. And yeah. the winter season. The winter season is a kidney water time. So in this dream image, the winter energy, which when I say that, I also hear water, I also hear fear, is coming into the place that's most central, that's usually the warmest, that's usually the most fiery. So it's a place that I associate then with the heart. And this energy of fear is descending, you know, actually falling onto that space. And personally, you know, if that were my dream, my imagined version, I really relate to that sense in this time that we're in where things that have not normally made me afraid, mm -hmm. I'm feeling fear. Yes, very much so. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I know I, I live in a community where I guess I would say to be as, <laughs> generous as possible that a large percentage of the population really doesn't believe in the virus at all um, and so their behavior is according they don't wear masks uh, you know they have parties with you know people that they don't live with and um so i try to find my way to walk with that to say um i don't i don't feel myself feeling fear come up but i feel like it's a kind of a frustration is don't you understand what we're all going through together? Mm -hmm. Don't you get it? And then of course I just distance myself from people like that. I, I go out once a week wearing my mask yeah. to buy groceries and, and run any errands that I need to run. I wear my mask the whole time. And if I pass somebody who's not wearing a mask, I give them at least six feet uh, after hearing a, a recent talk by a woman who works with aerosols, you know, which is like um, particles in the air that are smaller than droplets. Yeah. And they're not susceptible to um, gravity because they're so small. Mm -hmm. And that these stay airborne for a really long time. And if you're in a room that these, um, these aerosols stay for a very, very long time. So, after seeing that it's like no six feet isn't well outdoors it's fine but indoors yeah six feet not enough it's not enough so oh. anyway i got off on yes. a tangent there because of the fear element i i don't necessarily feel myself feeling like my stomach getting tight which is usually my my uh, physical reaction to fear but um i uh, it makes me sad to uh -huh. think that we can't all just, I mean, some countries, people have gotten it right off the bat and everybody cooperates and they've had a very, very low incidence of death from the, from the coronavirus. Yep. Well, here, people are beginning to see that that's not what's happening. It's getting worse. Right. As I'm listening to you talk about this, 
it's because we're kind of already in the dream space and the symbol space. It's so resonant for me, this idea that there's a virus and you even use the phrase, people don't believe in it. Like it's yeah. a, like it's a question of, of faith. Right. Yeah, and the right. same, right. <laughs> the same thing happens with um, climate change. As you said, yeah. we could call it by many names, you know, biospheric collapse would also be a name we could use. It's, but people say, I don't believe in that, right? And then we have this virus that is absolutely deadly to some people, severe for others, and goes utterly unnoticed for some. So we have this thing that, you know, you can choose to say, well, I don't see it and I don't feel it. So I'm going to ignore the rest of you who say, I do see it. I do feel it. In fact, I might die from it. And so even though you're talking about not having a really intense, fearful response that clenches you up, I, I would say going out once a week with a mask on is a healthy, fearful act, right? The fear that keeps you protected leads you to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to take care here. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. But you know, it's really funny for me because um, even though there are many, many people suffering with this, people suffering physically, people ill, people dying, people dying alone, people losing loved ones who they can't be with because of the isolation. And, and the financial um, suffering that's going on, the people who've lost their income and then don't get any kind of adequate replacement for it. I, I, feel, um, I feel for all of this. And at the very same time, I feel like we are in a birthing process as a human family that we're giving birth, we have a capacity and, and perhaps are beginning to understand because of the isolation, because of the changes in people's life patterns, there's less stress for people who don't have to go to work, who stay home, people doing more personal reflection, beginning to understand what's most important in their lives, and it's not going to that job every day, five days a week. It's, it's more relationships and inner reality and all of this. And these things show up in the dreams too. Yeah. Uh, that the, that these themes that, are, that we're all with are showing up in the dreams. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder about these themes of... Uh, connection and disconnection because you're you're facilitating people talking about dreams in groups mm -hmm. and in a way we've mostly disconnected from the ways we used to see people and interact and go to work and that kind of thing but like you said coming more inside for reflection and you're also getting this form of joining together in that inner reflection in the groups and I'm wondering what you're noticing about, about the quality of that. Do you feel like people are more hungry for it or more value it more, the connection they can have about dreams right now? Yes, I do. Especially, I've found that most people who take one of my, so I do my dream classes a month at a time. So people sign up for four sessions once a week for a month. And most people who do it once come back again and again and again because they begin to understand a couple of things. First of all, when we have a dream ourselves and we 
we kind of look at it, we wonder what it means. Uh, we, if, it, if it feels like a big dream with a capital B, um, we might do um, some forms of looking at it that are deeper. We might do some journaling. We might do some active imagination and so on. But we can only go so far with a dream on our own because it's only our own set of understandings about life, about ourselves that we bring to it. So to come and be part of a dream group and to hear a few other people say, if this were my dream, and then proceed to, to um, talk about that, the dreamer begins to understand that this, this dream is more multidimensional than I thought, and that other people are having insights that I didn't see at all. Uh-huh. And that's precious. It's just precious. Um, Jeremy used to say, I'm often quoting Jeremy, because he said things that just are so basic to dream work. He would say, we're uniquely blind to the wisdom in our own dreams. Yeah. And what I've come to understand that to mean is that when, once we wake up from a dream, we are in our conscious mind, which doesn't really, you know, our normal ordinary consciousness doesn't really want things to change because I've just learned how to deal with life the way it is. And uh, don't throw anything new at me because I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. So that's the kind of, of, let me say, prejudice that we approach a dream with. And we're not going to see something often (laughs) that points at something that needs to be changed. Yeah. But other people see it very clearly. They, you know, if this were my dream, oh, that would be about my fear of such and such. Or it would be pointing me towards making such and such a change. Um, I've heard of several people in my life. I don't always know because if if you're working in a dream work with somebody, if they do kind of disappear from your life, you don't know what happens with them. But I have actually seen many people who the big issue for them is that their job is very difficult for them. It's stressful. They don't like the work itself. But they feel that they must continue for financial reasons. I've got to feed my family. I don't know what other kind of work I would do. And very often the dreams will come back again and again and show how doing this job is not serving you well. And, And eventually, after a while, some kind of some kind of inspiration will come. I mean, it doesn't just happen with jobs. I had this happen with a marriage, as a matter of fact. That at first it's like, no, it's impossible. There's no way that we could divorce because of financial reasons, this and that and the other. But then one day, after having stewed with this for a while, an inspiration will arise. And uh, I'll say this for me with, with a divorce. I woke up one morning and knew that it was over. It's just over. And we'll make it work. We'll figure out how to make this work financially Uh for both of us. And the same thing is true with a job. Um, People will begin to realize that that their whole purpose in life is something different from what they're doing as their work. And that if they have the courage to follow that and to be creative about how could I continue to support myself and my family using my passion, what it is that I feel I came here to do. And um, here, here, here's this conversation between you and I who both 
are doing work that we probably never thought we would be doing as a living. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but here we are because yeah. it's our passion, you know. Yeah. And um, so in that way, I think dreams are such wonderful encouragers and inspirers and uh, pointers at what needs to happen. Yeah. And, and, and when this work happens in groups, it's particularly poignant, particularly powerful because there are other views of the dreamer and other views of life being brought to the same dream. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. It is amazing to me every time that I hear multiple people's take on one dream because yes, I do talk about dreams as part of my job. You know, I, I guess you could use, you know, the word professional, although I don't know that that's, that that makes sense really in this context. But I, even right. in the way that I do show up to serve doing this, I never feel like an expert on dreams, certainly not on someone else's dream. And so I really, I rely on that. I rely on the the soup, like you you called it. You know, where every it's the images are cooking and different people are contributing, because we're all not only uniquely blind to our own dreams, but we're just uniquely blind in all different ways. True, true. So, yeah, I feel like there's so much that we would miss. Yes. Well, it's interesting. I had a conversation with my group that just ended last night, which was. Um, actually very interesting it was a group of people who worked together um on spiritual things they call themselves the vision circle and one of the women in it asked me if i would do a private dream group for just them with no other people involved and uh, a number of them signed up for the group and this the, this was the second month that we'd done that and, and the one in july actually had eight people in it now that's a lot for yeah. an online dream group and at the end of it, um, I said, I want to ask how this has been for you, because with eight people, people had less opportunity to work their own dream. You know, uh -huh. like one woman said, actually, I've only worked one dream in this group this month, but she wasn't upset about it. She said, I've gotten so much from other people's dreams. Yeah. It's a rich experience and I want to do it again. <laughs> mm. So I said, well, I do find eight to be a bit a lot so I, I think next group I would say that the max is six uh -huh. because that's what it had been before so um, but the point is that people get so much from a group even if they don't get to work very often on their own dream yeah uh, that it's a very valuable process it's just there's just nothing like it you know there's nothing like it no there's nothing like it I have to agree with that so I wonder, you mentioned too journaling and active imagination, mm -hmm. and there are these ways that we can engage with dreams on our own or with one other person. Mm -hmm. And as someone who worked with Jeremy Taylor, and I know you follow his example in a lot of ways, this is something I'm still kind of exploring when I work dreams with people. So sometimes I'm, I'm with one person because they've come to me for a treatment, you know, and it's in the context of their acupuncture or their herbal prescription that we're talking, you know, in their health that we're talking about a dream. Mm -hmm. Then I also work dreams in groups and there are certain ways to engage a dream. Let's say 
an active imagination dialogue with a character in the dream or asking the person to embody it and see where does this landscape live in your body and that kind of thing, which seems to come more naturally, not with the projective dream work style, you know, where you, where you take everything and put it in terms of I, if this were my dream, Mm -hmm. it feels unnatural to me to say, okay, so tell me if this were my dream, where would I feel that river in my body? I actually am asking, where do you feel that river in your body? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm inviting you to sink into this dream. And I want, yeah, what, do you have any thoughts about that? Kind of the interplay between those other types of practices and the projective dream work style? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's a good example. Um, last night we did work on a dream that was clearly a very big dream for the dreamer. And she said, um, I don't want to stop here. I've gotten so much from all of you. I got so much from the dream when I had it, but I want to go further. And she said, what might I like, what might I do? And so I just kind of like tuned in to see what wanted to pop up in answer to that question. Uh-huh. And I said, well, um, if it were my dream, um, I love to write. So I might do one of two things, one of more than two things. Um, I might engage in a dialogue in my journal, and I do this frequently, uh, where I invite one of the characters in the dream to speak. I'll ask the character some question, and then the character will respond, and then we have a dialogue, and I learn a whole lot of things that were not immediately obvious in, in telling the dream or having the dream. That's one way. And I said to her, but with this particular dream, I think I might write a short story. And she wrote to me an email this morning and said, I'm going to write a short story. Mm. <laughs> because it, it, she also likes to write. So that those are a, a couple of things. Um, yeah. One thing that Robert Moss highly suggests to people when there is a big dream that clearly is not, it's not enough to just work with it one time, is to re-enter the dream. And what he suggests for that is that you, as you're going off to sleep, when you get to that kind of relaxed, drowsy space, that you just recall um, perhaps the end of the dream, or if there's some image or um, scenario in the middle of the dream or even the beginning, that you just go back there. You just go there and be there and say, um, okay, here I am. Let's, let's go. And then, it just kind of unfolds on its own. And it, it, it's a very powerful process, uh, particularly with a dream that feels like it's very significant and has more to offer than I've already gotten from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever facilitate someone doing that within a group context? I haven't done that, but you know, I think that it's really um, something to, I mean, since, since I do it on my own sometimes, um, it seems like so often we're just like, we have so many people in the group and, and we don't, but you know, one of the dreams last night, we worked for an, an hour on that dream and we could very well have done something like that. Yeah. So I thank you for that, that um, suggestion because I'm going to keep that um, in, in my forebrain now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually excited to, uh, to bring that in when it feels like that that particular thing would be useful for this dream. Yeah. Nice. Great. So do you ever work dreams one-on-one? Yes, I do. Uh Okay. 
Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you could say about why you might prefer one for certain people or certain types of work? Well, actually, it doesn't feel so much as what I would prefer, but I think sometimes people have a dream that they feel is so sensitive that it doesn't feel safe, even though dream groups feel very safe. And we always have um, either, um, Jeremy made this, this distinction between anonymity and confidentiality. So anonymity is that we never mention another person that's in the dream group when we're, if we talk about a dream to a friend, say. And, and that's, that holds over the, across the board. But a person may also ask for confidentiality. I don't want anybody to talk about this dream at all to anyone. And that's usually if it feels um, more sensitive, if it's like, see, when I was doing dream work in my local community here, when we could still meet face to face, um, it, it, I think part of it might have been um, that they feel that the content, some of the content of the dream would make them um, visible. If somebody heard the dream, they would know whose it was. And so they might then ask for confidentiality. Uh-huh. But I think usually when people um, ask me to do one-to-one work, it's either because they don't feel safe to do it in any group, but they do trust me, so they're willing. And and actually, maybe that's even a little scary to share the dream at all. But at least it's only one other person, and, and they trust that I would hold the confidentiality. Yeah. That's one reason why somebody might want to work one-to-one. I just had a recent one-to-one where she had an image in a dream, which was an owl. And she said, I don't have any kind of sense of owls. I have, owls are not in my, you know, it's not a power animal for me. I don't have any associations. But after we worked on the dream, she realized that she'd had a second owl dream before the first one. Oh. And so now, so something's cooking for her. She's beginning to perhaps broaden her sense of what has anything to do with her. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I have a hunch that she might come back to work with a dream with me again, or she might sign up for a group. So, yeah. Yeah. But one-to-one work is, is very lovely because it's, 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 it's a form of intimacy, you know. I mean, so yeah. is dream work in a, in a group. It's, it's all about intimacy, really. I mean, where, where intimacy, intimacy means a sense of caring for each other. Oh, my gosh, the, the affection that is born among people when they work together on dreams. Um, it's beautiful. And, and then there's this sense of trust and um, the honor of somebody telling their dream and allowing the rest of the group to be a part of it. It's mm-hmm. it, beautiful thing. You can tell I love group dream work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, hearing you mention the owl, uh, it, it brought back to mind a dream I had in the last week, I think, with a little bat, a little, um, a bat so small it would fit in the palm of my hand. And I, I was thinking about it as a nocturnal creature. I've also had a dream with an owl in it and a fox. So I'm thinking of these nocturnal creatures. And then I remember you saying one of the ways the earth is showing up in people's dreams is animals. Yeah. 
So I was just inspired to share with you a few of the animals that I've heard recently. And then if you could share some of the animals you've heard recently, and maybe that will help give us a nice little collage here before we close of that earth energy and the animal nature showing up in our dream world. Yes, but before we do that, yeah. I, I have chills because when the woman worked with this dream about the owl, she said, it's a black owl. Oh. And, and, and she said, and it, in part of the dream, it turned over and it showed its eight nipples. And I said, but owls don't have nipples. Uh -huh. She said, well, well, it sort of feels like a bat, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it turns out she does have an affinity for bats, but she oh. does not have an affinity for owls. So this creature in her dream was actually an owl bat. We decided it was an owl bat. So there we are, Leilani. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Okay, now we could go to your list of animals. Okay, go, go. <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell you a few that have come up in my dreams and in, in other people's dreams recently. Yeah. Um, a goose, mm. a, a fox that turned into more of a domestic dog, um, chicken, owl, bat, gila monster, you know, the, the lizards. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, octopus and whale. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay, so the recent ones I remember are owl, <laughs> fox, um, eagle, dolphin, whale, uh, dogs, lots of dogs, mm -hmm. lots of dogs. Um, uh, let's see, lion, female lion, actually. Mm. Nothing else is coming up right now, but we have a lot of the same creatures in our yeah, list. Actually, I forgot there was a dolphin dream recently, and in that dolphin dream, also there was a sea turtle as well. So there were more ocean. That was another one. Sea turtle, just yeah. the other night. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Wonder. Yeah, that is wonderful. I just love it. <laughs> and you know, with our talking about water too, like the ocean. The ocean and midnight in that collage yeah. of symbols, the kidneys, water, winter, midnight, it's all the same yes. energetic place on the map so that we have this, these um, ocean creatures and nighttime creatures yes. showing up a lot feels important. So that reminds me of, a, of an image that I have that I've used actually on my Instagram page. Um, and it shows a full moon and two dolphins with their heads up looking at the moon. And, and at the bottom is a caption, so many of the humans are waking up. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. It is wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Azima. This has been really a pleasure. A great pleasure for me as well. I, I've enjoyed it very much, and I'm glad that we're connected now, Leilani. Me too. Would you like to share where listeners can find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing or maybe join one of your dream groups? Yes, by all means. My website is www.azimalilaforest.com, and that's A-Z-I-M-A-L-I-L-A-F-O-R-E-S-T with no dots or dashes or anything. Okay, great. I'll put a link to that in our show notes so it'll be easy for Wonderful. folks to find you. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you again. Thanks for listening today. I'd love to hear what this conversation with Azima brought up for you. 
Let me know your questions, your thoughts, or any dreams that came to mind by contacting me through thedreamersden.org or in our free Facebook group, The Dreamer's Den. See you next time on the new moon. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.